Hello, and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 86th episode in a weekly series called DJ Spin. Here with me is Turntables, otherwise known as DJ Spin, entertainer, producer, and community manager for Kona's Corner. Last week's episode was a discussion with Andrew Marsh, president of Fifth Column Games. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Thursday, October 18th, and we are going to talk to Turntables, find out more about his news, gaming events, and whatever strikes our fancy. <laughs> so news of the week. News of the week. Um, PAX East already. I know. I, I guess that would be the news of the week. Um, I don't know, actually, it wasn't probably this week, but the week before, I think the tickets went on sale. and Five and minutes. Pa- yeah. Then? Passes are out the door already. Uh, hotels were booked within minutes. And mm-hmm. I think everybody's, you know, seeing how, how big these events are getting and they're, they're keeping a, a watchful eye on the clock. So it's... Uh, <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's good to see that happen, though. Do you plan to be there this year? Yes, yes. Uh, I've tried to make every PAX event, uh, both Prime and East, uh, as many as I can, at least. So I always try to book in advance. Uh, worst case scenario, if I can't, obviously, it's not very hard to get rid of those tickets. So, um, but yeah, I do plan on being there this year. Nice. You must have a special in that lets you bypass the slammed server because uh, <laughs> you can queue up for those tickets and still miss it just purely by the speed of your server. Well, it's, um, fortunately enough for, in, in my case, uh, obviously being the community manager uh, for Kona's Corner, um, we typically get our folks that are going or planning on going, obviously the media badges, uh, so that we can set up interviews and all that sort of fun stuff. So it's a little bit of an edge where, where most folks are still trying to get the three-day passes, but I do buy them just in case uh, you never know something might happen. So That's right. There's always eBay for exactly. ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so let's start with your childhood gaming. I-, I know you're interested in the console and the Xbox 360 particularly, but as a child, did you play, and what were your interests? I did. Um, I wow. I-, I think if you're, I think you can classify yourself as a hardcore gamer if you go, if you can remember the days where you had UHF and VHF connectors. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> I remember watching Pong going back and forth and trying to steal the TV uh, back when, when I was younger. I think that's kind of what, what kicked it off and then moved on from there to the, you know, the Ataris and the, uh, even like the Apple IIEs. They had games for that at, at the time. So it's, it's been a slow, slow maturing progress, but uh, it's definitely held its course over the years. So. Nice. So why the choice of console? Because you always have that option, the PC versus console. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, personally, when I when I really started getting into it, um, the console piece anyway, because I, I really was a fan of anything, anything that was available that I could play was always fun for me. And uh, I think when Halo Two came out and and you know the Xbox started taking off, no one 
really thought that it was going to go anywhere, that, that Microsoft was going to do anything with it. Uh, and lo and behold, this is, this is what we have now. And, and the PC, some of the PC games are absolutely amazing. Um, I've been very fortunate to uh, deal a lot with the guys from Red 5 Studios, uh, with Firefall. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge fan of the game. And, and um, as far as the hardware, it's, it seems like a lot of the PC stuff that I do is more obviously audio related when it comes to music and editing and things like that. So I don't, I would almost have to have a separate rig set up just for gaming. Um, and I think that's kind of where it's, where it's, uh, pushed me aside into the console arena. Practicality. But yeah, it is in, in some, in some respects. But I, I definitely want to get into some more of the PC gaming because I know there's a lot of folks that are into it. Uh, even Kona, uh, he's, he's into PC gaming quite a bit. Um, and I, I I love some of the games. It just it's, it seems like I have to I have to step up my game a little bit and, and <laughs> get get some hardware on, uh, under my belt. So, what did you think of Firefall? I was in the uh, beta and I stopped just about the time where they really changed the appearance um, and kind of revamped the entire game. So I didn't get to play like the second half of the beta, but I was enjoying it. Uh, you know, it's typical in some ways where you had kind of similar to Capture the Flag, uh, some scenarios like that. But I found it. I found it pretty fun. I like the flying aspect where you could kind of power into the air for a long time and then come back down. And what did you think of it after it had gone through all those evolutions to sort of where where you are? I guess it's more of a final version of that. I, I think where they have taken the game, because uh, honestly, since the, the last time that I saw it was at the last PAX event. That was the last time mm-hmm. I actually had to sit down and have some hands-on time because I've just been so busy with so many different other projects. But seeing it uh, recently at PAX Prime, it really... And this was one of the discussions that I had uh, with uh, Scott Youngblood. Um, he's one of the developers, I think, that uh, puts everything together and has done a lot of the changes since they initially launched it. But uh, it was most impressive to me because I told him, I said, you know, I'm not somebody who's very well versed in the PC arena. And, and if I come into this platform and if I, if I migrate, you know, some of my playing abilities over to the PC side, am I going to have a difficult time picking this up, learning the controls? You know, I don't want to just... I don't want to be one of those quote-unquote noobs that plugs in that little Xbox controller and cheats. I don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm going to play, I want to be able to use the keyboard and do it right and give it the due respect. Um, but that was one of my concerns. That, you know, for somebody like me, if I come into this who's not well-versed in the PC arena, I might be able to pick up, you know, this game and go. And that's really something that I think that a lot of games are stepping to the plate on. Um, there's always a lot of talk about what a AAA title is and what it should be and what it could be. And there's a lot of free-to-play games, especially in the PC arena, that are really breaking that mold and putting their name out there saying, you know, you guys can go out and buy the $60 games and have your consoles and do whatever you want, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we're putting some stuff on the table that's really going to make people's eyes pop. And and they did. They really impressed me, it impressed me with the features and, and the different nuances in the game that they've added to be able to incorporate the newcomers and and not just the the hardcore PC players, but you know the people that have been there for a long period of time, uh, but people like me that are new and want to be able to pick it up and and see what it has to offer. So uh, I like some of the changes that they made. Um, obviously, they've expanded the maps and mm-hmm. you know done a lot in in that particular aspect. But um, I just I like the fact that they're adding in the uh, the multiple camera angles. Um, and and being able to, because obviously everybody's streaming now, so they want to be able to, especially for competitive play, they want to be able to take that to the next level, and that's a huge thing for me that was like, you know, because we do a lot of streaming, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of new people that do streaming, so 
being able to see all the different camera angles and put all that together, I think, is huge. I think that's definitely a plus. Nice. Well, I liked how they did really listen to the feedback, and you could definitely see every time you go in and there was an update that they'd changed something pretty fundamental, which is always a good thing. And yes. I think you're right. I mean, Team Fortress 2, you can look at pretty much any MMO. They're all free to play, and that's sort of seems like the trend that uh, games are headed in, which is good because... Um, I just dropped too much money on $60 games. <laughs> really. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. <laughs> yes. My pre-order list, I think, has just gotten out of control. So. <laughs> That's right. It was yeah. a debate, like, Dishonored, Assassin's Creed 3, Dishonored, Assassin's Creed 3. So, we'll see. Yeah, mine was actually mine was actually Borderlands 2. Uh, uh-huh. I had pre-ordered the Loot Edition at the very last minute when they were almost gone. And it wasn't actually shipping until after it came out, so I actually went out and bought um, a regular version of the game so I could play it until I got <laughs> until I got the loot edition. So uh, sometimes a little bit over the edge, but worth it. <laughs> okay, where did um, you first discover your love of music, and is that something you had as a child as well? Do you play an instrument? When did that develop? Um, yeah, I, my father actually when I was younger, um, my father was in a band. Uh, he had from Russian and Polish descent, whatever, and they had their own kind of, they did polkas and all sorts of stuff for weddings and whatever. And it was, it was live, which was, you know, very different back then. Um, that kind of, I think, got me into it a little bit. You know, he brought, bought me a little drum set when I was little. And I think that's what kind of picked up the actual, the, the beats, uh, so to speak. But as I grew up, I got more into percussion and started doing a little bit more with that in school. Um, and then, Started playing the piano. Uh, I can play. I just I cannot read music. I wish I could. I, I think people who do are just completely gifted. I think I just don't have the the the, uh, the ability to sit still long enough to <laughs> to really kind of take that in as it's an art. I mean, people people who can play like that are just they're very gifted. But um, so percussion and, and the keys have, have always been, I think, a very significant uh, part of my background in terms of where I came from. Um, but yeah, I, I, music is yeah. Ever since you could copy tapes and play records, and man, we were pirating music before it was illegal to do. So <laughs> I, <laughs> nice. As someone who can read music, I would have to say to you, I think you probably have an advantage because being able to hear something and replicate it uh, without being you know glued to that medium is really freeing. And I would imagine that it probably helps you a lot in your DJing. Just you know, be able to kind of get the underlying. This is something that I noticed. Like a lot of songs steal from each other, and you have something where you'll be listening to, you know, a Rihanna song, and I'll say, um, "No, I know that song, and that's thirty years old, and they took that beat and stuck it underneath this song, and I recognize that." And and probably having a better ear, I would think, doing like Suzuki or something where you're not so tied to that piece of paper and you know needing that, I think might be an advantage actually. It it, it can be. I mean, I think that I, th- I think that allows the creative juices to flow a little bit more. Um, there's nothing, to me, there's nothing wrong with, uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate this, I, I wish I could play, I wish I could, you know, read music and uh, be able to pick up on that and kind of jump back in, um, but not not knowing how to play, uh, I guess for me, my perspective has always been, well, if somebody's already created it, and they've already played it, and now it's on music, uh, it, it's it's great to duplicate, but it's already, it's already been done. So, when I sit down in front of a piano or something, and I'm trying to come up with an idea. I'm trying to create something from scratch that doesn't necessarily come off of um, something that's already been done before. And mm-hmm. 
you know, there's, I think everybody can relate on some level to some type of music, regardless of what your preference is. Um, and I've always said, I, I don't, I don't care what you listen to, whether it's heavy metal or hard rock or, you know, now that, you know, dubstep is making its quote unquote debut again. Um, <laughs> again. but, but yeah, 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 it's been around forever and people are just kind of realizing that it's now gone commercial. But no, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a lot of games are picking up on that and, and the importance of music and the significance of having a really uh, nurtured soundtrack and, you know, bringing in these orchestral pieces that are just mind blowing and, and the amount of time and effort that goes into that and the creativity level is just, is just off the charts. And I'm glad to see that it's, you know, you can combine the best of both worlds, especially in the gaming platform. So mm -hmm. I was wondering if you'd ever considered that considering that you, uh, you like the gaming so much and, and sort of seemed like you had music as, is an important part of your childhood as well. Have you ever considered becoming a gaming composer? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I certainly don't rule anything out. Uh, I've, I, well, I've always been a fan, fan of gaming. Um, getting into the nitty gritty, whether it's writing or being involved as a community manager or you know doing the live events or interviews, like, you, you notice as time goes by that it is a very close knit community. It's very difficult to, to break into. Uh, if you're looking to do something with it, if you're looking, obviously, to do something recreational, there's, you know, you can write about things and, you know, get game demos and so on and so forth. But to, to you really, I think when it comes to something like that and putting a piece together like that, uh, you really have to combine not only education, but extensive amount of time and experience behind that. And that's just something that I just, I think, I, I can say honestly that I just don't have. It, it, it's certainly a passion of mine. I would lie, and I certainly wouldn't dismiss an opportunity if it came my way uh, to be involved in something like that. But I, I, I'd be the first to stand up and say I wouldn't even know where to start. So, um, yeah. If anyone wants to give me a call, though, and you know, <laughs> by all means, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hang up the phone. I guess. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, when you create a mix or you're drawing uh, from different sounds and sort of building your own piece. Do you do that where you record it and then you, you use that, let's say, on the radio or at an event or something like that? Or are you constantly creating sort of the same piece with variations over and over um, on a given day? Like, let's, say, let's say you have a set of 10 and you know, number two is always, let's call it, you know, mix three or something. Mix three changes every time you play it and you just add and change and, and add some different sounds or move different sounds. Or is it always... Uh, you kind of create the whole thing. It's it's locked and composed, and then you just bring it with you everywhere you go. Um, I would have to say that it's definitely different depending on the situation. Uh, like for example, if I'm if I'm putting together a mix that I'm going to post up on my SoundCloud page, you know, which is free to download or whatever, and just kind of putting it out there to fans who particularly care for that genre of music, mm -hmm. it's uh, I will you know go through uh, folders and folders and folders of music that I download and listen to what's hot and how I can change it or manipulate it and then put it together in some sort of fashion that makes sense. And I, I kind of try to tell a story with it a little bit and make it sound, you know, fluid from beginning to end. I think that's very different from working a venue, uh, whether you're a resident in a club or, you know, like uh, this past um, PAX Prime when I was at uh, Avery's party, mm -hmm. very different. Uh, I had a limited amount of time. I, I knew that, you know, I only had an hour to play. So, uh, I typically would grab, um, 
a wide variety of songs and then put them together based on what the crowd's reaction is. And I think uh. that's, a, that's a skill that has, that I'm still honing in on. Uh, it's been 20 plus years in the making and you know, anytime you play in front of a live audience, um, I think anybody can figure out how to put music together technically so that it flows from one song to the next and the beats match and it, it sounds fluid. But if you're not playing to what they want to hear and what is going to get them, you know, involved and motivated, dancing, whatever, uh, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, you can, you can always, if you're there to play for yourself, basically you've, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it really just depends on the situation that you're in. Um, it's easier for me, obviously, to sit down and put together a CD uh, or a compilation of songs and then post it up online uh, to have people go out. They can listen to it if they want to. If they don't want to, they can you know, skip it and pass right by. But it's very different when it, when it comes to a live audience. And I think that's really what makes or breaks a DJ. What was your first entertainment experience and how did you discover that as something that you wanted to pursue? I would think it would take a certain amount of you know, bravery to go in front of everybody and, and sort of put that pressure on yourself? Uh, well, for me, I got lucky on two fronts. Um, the first time that I really wanted to pursue it was uh, fresh into high school. I think it was actually my, my freshman year. Um, we had talked to the student council and so on and so forth. And, you know, back when, <laughs> I don't know if they still do this now, I can't attest to it, but they, they used to have school dances. Um, Wow, I'm really dating myself here. I think uh, have school dance. Okay, okay. So I don't feel so bad. Um, but and they would they had a certain amount of budget that they would, you know, have a guy come in and set up his little gear or whatever and do his thing and and it was fun, it was enjoyable, and you got to see your friends outside of the school setting. Um, but the music was just horrible. <laughs> and, I mean, really horrible. And the stuff that we that we all wanted to hear he, it, it, like I said, it was really just him playing for himself. It was almost like he, it felt like he was in his living room looking back on it. It was like it was in his living room, uh, just really playing, you know, the oldies or whatever he felt like playing. It really didn't cater to, uh, our school or the, you know, the students or whatever. So I'm looking at the budget and I'm looking at this. I'm like, God, we could do this 10 times better. And that's really how it started. And, we approached the principal and approached the school board and said, Hey, you know, if you budget us for this, we'll do it for, le you know, less money. We'll get it started. We'll buy the equipment. And we did. Um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine and I invested in some equipment. We got it set up and running and we did a 10 times better job than, than the guy that was there before us. So plus they were able to use a student from the school and everybody was happy. You know, it, it's recycling 101. So. Um, that's where it started and it quickly progressed to, I need to get out of here and, and take this to a bigger level. So, um, that, that, that I think was my initial foot in the door. Uh, you defeated this stairway to heaven and every rose has its thorn, uh, time loop of insanity. Yes. <laughs> yes. It just, it, it got played out after a while and, uh, it, it was time to move on. And I, I didn't, I didn't mind doing the, the you know, the, the dances and stuff like that, but uh, once you get into it and once you see, you know, the crowd or, you know, your students or whatever reacting to it the way they should have been, you know, again, looking back on it, you, you know you're onto something good. And it Except just kind you of can never out. dance. You're, you're never allowed to dance then, though. You're always the entertainer. 
I know you have your headphones on and you're kind of bopping back and forth up in the DJ booth and, and doing your own thing and you never really get out there. Um, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. I can see that, but I've, o- I, I, I've always agreed that there are, um, and another DJ and I have always agreed that there are three levels of energy when it comes to, uh, having a DJ perform. And the first level of energy is where the crowd is, you know, ready to dance. They're very excited and the DJ is playing nothing but garbage. The second level is where the DJ is excited. He's got, you know, every piece of music you could possibly imagine, and he just can't get the crowd going. And the third is where the two unite. And it's rare that it happens for the duration of the event. Um, but if you can reach the third level, that's that's really kind of utopia, because you really it really is about the crowd. I mean, I could get up there and play anything. Anybody, anybody could put music together and play anything for themselves, but if you're not making everybody else happy, you're really defeating the purpose, so... Hmm. It must be an interesting synergy high, you know. I find that myself, like, you know, anytime you have sort of two people that work together to get a result, it's a really nice feeling afterwards, and you have hundreds of people, you know, vibing with you. That must be kind of a nice high. It is. It's, it's, uh, there's definitely nothing wrong with taking appreciation for your work. Uh, but I think a lot of quote unquote DJs, and I use that term loosely nowadays, uh, but I think they kind of have a tendency to get ahead of themselves. Uh, like I said, the focus is really on, and, and, and I'm speaking as if you're kind of like a resident in a nightclub, the focus is really on the patrons or the people, or any event really. It's, it's really on the patrons and what they want to hear and what they're, in the mood to dance to and and listen to and so on and so forth. But yeah, it, it, it can be a high because uh, I'm sure, you know, doing podcasts and stuff like that, you probably have an, like an audio mixer and things and just sliding that mixer from the, you know, level 10 down to zero. I mean, you, you have total control over everything that's going on. So you can take a room full of people at full blast on level 10 and drop it to zero in a split second and instantly change the atmosphere. So it, it can definitely get to your head once in a while, no <laughs> doubt. And now let's hear from someone that we haven't had on in a while. Skaggy the Poet returns with a new poem for us this week from Get the Girl. And I think you will enjoy it. Uh, it's been a while since we heard from Skaggy, and I'm excited to have another poem of his. Dearest, dearest I feel certain that I'm going mad again. Begin to hear voices. So I am doing what seems to be the best thing to do. Hello there, and welcome to Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies, and Save the Entire Planet, episode 16. Gaming poetry with me, Skaggy the Poet, happy as always to be on the Grey Area podcast. Now, this week, my poetry inspiration comes from the Grey Area podcast itself, um, mostly from the developer interviews that have been on the show. Um, you know when people have ideas for games and they tell you about them and you think, that's a good idea? Well, wait till you hear my idea for a game. Let me pitch it to you now. Many thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for being so good as to see me today. Let me pitch my idea for a new game so good you'll start work on it today. The game takes place on the moon that's been ravaged by a nuclear war and if that wasn't bad enough towards earth it's starting to fall. The hero 
is half man, half elk, which is unusual, you will agree. But as he's armed with laser antlers, some sort of caribou he had to be. Anyway, he battles across the moon to rescue his beloved Lady Moose, doing karate with his antlers and deadly kung fu kicks with his hooves. The hero will do battle with robot mice and fight irradiated shoe salesmen. He'll duel spatula-wielding ninjas while avoiding fiery cracks in the pavement. The levels consist of radioactive craters and mountains made out of cheese. Then the action switches to underwater in rivers of freshly brewed tea. But the real killer twists at the end, played out on the screen in high res. For when the hero removes his helmet, we can see that he's quite dead. Well, thank you people for your time. I hope I will be hearing from you soon. Uh, please, there's no need to call security. I promise I'm going to quietly leave the room. So there you go, developers. What are you waiting for? It's going to be the next big game. A karate chopping, laser firing elk on the moon who's already dead. I can spend the money now. I can feel it rolling in already. Copyright me. Nobody better steal it, honestly. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Like poetry, why not check out my blog, skaggythepoet.wordpress. Drop me a line via the grey area if you've got any ideas for gaming poems. Until next time, toodle pip. Big thank you to Skaggy, and as usual, enjoyable. And now let's get back to DJ Spin and talk more about the community manager aspect of his job. Uh, how did you end up hooking up with Kona's Corner and becoming the community manager, especially from the background uh, that you've told us? Uh, the community manager piece was uh, a recent addition. Um, when I first hooked up with him, uh, I had known him uh, kind of as an acquaintance uh, in the industry for a couple of years prior uh, through a previous website that he was associated with. Um, don't need to get into specifics on that, I guess. But uh, when he switched over and started doing his own thing, I, the first time I really sat down and talked to him was uh, last year's PAX Prime. Um, and I expressed my interest in being able to, you know, I, I really believe what he was doing. You know, he was, he's doing a lot of streaming and, and live events and live coverage of events and stuff, which is really taking off for him. Uh, it's working really well. And I believed in his goal in terms of, you know, connecting industry and community, uh, and really wanted to help bridge the gap in any way that I could. And I knew that I possessed a certain, uh, skill set, uh, be it music. Uh, I was fairly proficient with writing in general and thought I'd give it a go, uh, as a writer. So I started out uh, on the writing staff and contributing that way. Uh, and shortly thereafter, uh, moved into an editor-in-chief position um, with another good friend of mine who is still works for the website. And then as time went on, and I started attending more of these events and really, <coughs> excuse me, really started building relationships with people, uh, vendors uh, like Intel and you know, Red5 and you know, all, all the major players that show up to these kind of events, and really trying to sit down and you know have a discussion with them uh, with the understanding that there's not an expectation. Um, and I think a lot of people in this, this industry who are trying to move ahead 
jump the gun a little bit and they're looking for swag or t-shirts or whatever and then all that stuff's great and if you get it that's great but i really wanted to focus on the relationship building um because there's so many different whether it doesn't matter where you're coming from in terms of you know whether it's pc gamers or console gamers or whatever genre you prefer to play there's something to be said when you can stack 65 70,000 people in a room and you know, people aren't getting into fights. People aren't, you don't have to worry about that kind of thing going to these events. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, people are there under the same premise and they all want to learn something or be able to take away something from that. And I really wanted to kind of bridge the gap between the two because I'm obviously very fascinated from the industry perspective, what they do, how they do it, um, and what it takes to get them there and make, make themselves successful. And here's little old me and I'm like, okay, well, I can, you guys spit this out, spit the stuff out. We write about it. You know, but but where there's still a very big divide sometimes between that, and I really wanted to focus on bridging the gap. So um, we recently had a a staff meeting and talking about some upcoming events, which there's going to be some really good stuff on the horizon. I'll fill you in on that later on. Um, but uh, it just came about, and with the growth that he's seeing on the community side as well as the production side, um, it was time for somebody to to take over that position and I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. So Excellent. here, here I am. There you are. <laughs> yes. Will you elaborate a bit on Kona's corner and the philosophy of the company and just kind of explain to listeners what that is? Absolutely. Um, I, there's obviously a lot of websites out there that do a lot of, you know, writing uh, game writing, whether it's uh, new press releases that come out about, some of the big hits that are coming or up and coming things and everybody has their own preference in terms of what they write about and so on and so forth. Uh, the community side really focuses on that type of material. So we do things like, you know, game reviews and hardware and software reviews. Um, you know, like the new Roxio, uh, hardware that came out, they, the, the stuff that they have, the HD, um, a device that they have to be able to capture and stream audio and video. Oh, yes, I saw that on the site. I didn't know what that yeah. was. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a new device that uh, Rockstar just came out with, the GamePro uh, HD, and it and enables users to, you know, capture uh, either game footage just by itself or to be able to stream it. Actually, the software has uh, an interface built right into Twitch, so it's giving folks, again, the opportunity to kind of take their, their love of gaming and put that out on the web and have their friends check that out and so on and so forth. So, so you plug it into yeah. your console? Yeah, it's it's mm. basically a, it's a device that kind of uh, hooks in. You can you do it through components or HDMI, whatever your whatever your preference, and it's in between your console and your your PC. And then you can you know upload your your favorite videos, put them on YouTube if you want. Uh, you can do commentary. Uh, you, know, you kind of create. It, it has a very elaborate software that that lets you really take control over the creative content uh, of anything that you want to do with it. But it also has a feature built into it where you an interface with Twitch where you can stream it live out to the public. And as we talked about before, it's that's something that's really catching on mm -hmm. with the community. So, Well, that's a um, great idea because that's one of the things that defeats me. If I want to play something on my console, I cannot figure out how to get it into my computer and on Twitch. So that's yeah. a perfect interface. I'm sure a lot of people have that issue. Absolutely. And it, and it really kind of takes the... There, there's some more advanced uh, hardware and software out there that you can use, and, and uh, Kona has used quite a bit of that obviously on the on his end you know more for production side and whatnot um, but it, it 
for people that are on a budget and are you know, first time users and really just kind of want to get their feet wet and see what happens, it's a great opportunity for them to, you know, spend a few less, a few less dollars and get a great product and, you know, get it out there and, and see if it's something that they like to do and then go from there. So nice. Well, you have an but, impressive list of work on, uh, on Kona's Corner. I saw you had a review on Dead Space 3, or at least just information about it. Is there anything mm-hmm. you recommend that's upcoming that you've had a chance to kind of preview? Um, wow, there's there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will admit, and I think I can speak on behalf of most of our staff, that uh, the amount of news that's been coming out lately has been dwindling a little bit. I think it's a, we're kind of ramping up to, to some really good releases like Halo 4 and Call of Duty, you know, the Black mm-hmm. Ops, Black Ops 2 that's going to be coming out. Um, so the other news has kind of been uh, dwindling a little bit, but everybody has been hooked on Borderlands 2, myself included. I'm absolutely guilty, and I apologize if I sound like it, but I am sick, and I'm still playing. So <laughs> uh, I'm sitting on my couch, you know, from time to time and, and, and getting up, but that's that's been a huge thing uh, lately. But They're good people. I've had Gearbox on Mikey Newman, and, and they're good people. <laughs> yes, Gearbox is fantastic, yeah. and they—they, they, I think they are one of the few organizations that really, I would say, really stands out among uh, among their competitors, so to speak. Um, and their development team is even—I think it, were, it was uh, Randy Pitchford, maybe, who even said, "You know, I can't believe no one's even tried to copy us yet," which. In and of itself is is amazing, and he's absolutely correct. I mean, they've they've really uh, got this game down to a science, and with the second title in the franchise, um, it's bigger, it's better. They're handing out you know codes for keys to the community, and you know during the weekend at certain times you can get golden keys, and they're not just like one time use only. Like everybody gets an opportunity to do that, and they're releasing you know, downloadable content earlier. I mean, how often do you hear that? I, that's that's <laughs> I mean, yeah I know right early and it's not broken so um, <laughs> oh yeah. bonus yes so it's a win win for everybody I mean they are extremely engaged in the community and I think that that type of atmosphere is really what the spotlight needs to be shined on because that's that's something that everybody can relate to uh, you know whether you're doing podcasts like this or just just an avid gamer gamer and you want to you know get the latest and greatest so. They've got some new content out. I would think that that's probably the biggest thing right now. Um, their first DLC pack was just released, so that's probably been the hottest thing. And I've noticed that across a lot of sites, because I do pay attention to them as much as I can, that mm-hmm. people are still focusing on Borderlands yeah. 2. And, Have and you tried XCOM? Not yet, no. I, I've, I've, I played it briefly uh, at PAX, um, and the game looks phenomenal. I remember the original... I uh, didn't play it as much, the original as much, but I did get a little bit of hands-on time uh, at PAX, and it's great. Not my particular forte when it comes to that particular, you know, that genre of gameplay. Um, I think for me, it's, it's a little slower paced mm-hmm. um, than than I'm accustomed to, but it looks fantastic, and it just it is fun to play. It's definitely fun to play, and I, I can totally see where it would be, you know, addictive beyond belief. <laughs> Nice. Apparently, you also work for Radio B ninety six, and I, it's 
I'm kind of looking and it looks as though you, you do late night mixes where you'll come in for an hour or two and just play your stuff, or do you do regular DJing during the day for them as well? Actually, that would uh, that's not me. That's not you. That's not me. At all? Oh, man. There's uh-huh. another DJ Spins who's all over the place who works for this uh, radio station, and every time I do a search for you, I'm coming up with this guy, too. So there, there, there is a guy. There is another DJ Spin, and he, I think he's out of Chicago. Yes, uh, that's um, what it is. Yeah, that's that's where uh, I have heard of some of his stuff. Um, I think he's the one I linked to earlier too. It might be. It might be. And I've I've heard some of his mixes, and they are they are pretty good. They uh, are good. You should be like, yeah. yeah, that's me. I do that too. <laughs> I, I definitely. I'm not one of those people who take credit for stuff that I don't. Do. So that always that would always come back to haunt me in some fashion. I could just see it now. Um, I've, I've heard the, the DJ spin from Chicago and he does do some great sets. He does, I think he does some radio stuff too. And, uh, he puts together a, a lot of stuff for them. I think he does a one hour live set. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but I will say that, uh, I think at least as far as I know, from what I've been able to find that the name that was given to me as a DJ name, uh, I've had the longest. So. Oh, so how there's, does that work? It sounds people. like you've been knighted. Like they give you a DJ name, and how, yeah. how do you how are you presented a DJ name? Yeah, well, it it really just kind of happened by chance. Uh, it certainly wasn't back in school, but uh, shortly thereafter, when I decided I wanted to take it to the next level, I started sneaking into the biggest nightclub in upstate New York uh, that existed at the time, and it was a converted church, had pews and you know multiple balconies, and was the only one. Uh, in upstate New York that had an argon-cooled, you know, laser system. Whoa. Yeah, which was pretty impressive, because if any one of those mirrors had shifted, it would have burned somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so we were always thankful that that never, that, that never happened. But um, I started sneaking in because I knew some of the, the, the bouncers and whatnot uh, through mutual friends, and I, I wasn't even, I didn't even have my driver's license. So um, I started going, and... All I would do was go up in the DJ booth and watch the DJ all night and see what he's doing and what he's playing and how he's playing it and watching the crowd and how they're reacting. And um, his one of his duties the next day was to come in uh, on a Saturday and clean up the place from the night before, which was a disaster, of course, as I'm mm-hmm. sure you can relate to. Uh, so he would be cleaning and he eventually said, you know, hey, go ahead. You know, turn everything on for you. And, uh, here's all my records. And because back then we weren't using CDs yet. So, <laughs> wow, I'm really dating myself now. Um, so it was all records. And he said, this is this, this is this, this goes from here to here. You figure it out. And that was it. And that's, I, I learned from destroying, honestly, uh, a good portion of this collection. Uh, trying to scratch or do whatever, uh, learned the hard way. And he eventually uh, coined me with the name, uh, DJ Spin, and it kind of stuck from there, and I, I just went with it. I never really had one until that point. So um, it's it's weird how all those things come about, but yeah. a long time ago. Well, that's good. You want to be the first one. I mean, that's like being the, the Thomas of DJs. I mean, everyone wants to be Spin, I would think. Well, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully that that name is a good, it, you know, it, it has good vibes to it. So, yes. um, but there, 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 I've, I've definitely seen uh, a fair share of them out there. And 
uh, well, there's a lot of DJs that have multiple names that are the same across. Sometimes they spell them differently, whatever. But um, they all do the, their their own thing, and it's all you can do is respect them for being in the business. So whatever works. Yes. Well, you have so many events uh, lined up during the year, it seems, that you're traveling to and everything. What are some of the more recent ones you've been to? I know you just did PAX. Any other things happening? Um. Not that I've done myself. Uh, this past weekend, actually, I just went down to visit a friend of mine in Charlotte who was DJing Friday night. His roommate was DJing Saturday night. Um, I'm trying to concentrate more so now on, on doing some production stuff, uh, getting back into habitually doing mixes. Uh, I, I kind of get overwhelmed with events. And when when Avery reached out to me for his, his PAX Prime party, um, the last one I did uh, was at PAX East in 2010. Um, which was great. It was a it was a huge success. A great great show. I, I, there, there's a bunch of DJs there, and they all did really well. Um, uh, the Don Father, actually, Carlos Ferrer, uh, Don from Gears of War. He was one of the DJs that was there that night as well. So mm. um, the events kind of it really just depends on who's doing what uh, at that particular time. Because as you know, uh, sometimes the, the the cost of setting up a party ahead of time, you know, if you're not a Microsoft or whatever and have an unlimited budget to work with can be quite costly. So Definitely. Uh, it really just depends on what people are doing, but there's always something to go to. Um, there's always a party being thrown and hopefully, uh, you know, my, my name will be thrown in the hat for the next event that, uh, that happens. It'd be nice to do something at, at this upcoming PAX East. That'd be, that'd be great. I'm always open to the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Anything that anybody's got, I'm on board. So, Do you notice a difference between, let's say, gaming uh, events where you have a, a social event for gaming and your usual sort of nightlife social events? Is there any difference? Yeah, I think um, I think on some levels there are. It's, it's nice. The gaming side is nice because you get, you really do get uh, a lot of diversity when it comes to people. So they're, they're not only coming from all walks of life, but you know, different game platforms, you know, whether, again, preference in terms of console versus PC or first-person shooter versus, you know, what role-playing games, it, it really doesn't matter. But everybody's kind of coming together to support the industry. So while that's a good thing, it can also make you work a little bit harder uh, because now your music has to be just as diverse to be able to satisfy their tastes and... Yeah, so it really just depends on where you're playing and what's expected. So um, one of the things that was nice about Avery's party was there was a bunch of us doing different different sets, and we all had different genres. So uh, some people were playing some dubstep. You know, I was doing some electro house, um, and some and I think another person was doing some more mainstream and like top forty kind of stuff. So it changed up on the hour every hour, uh, which was great. It gave people a different feel, a different vibe throughout the. The, the entire event, um, and that's important because you, you obviously you want anybody coming to your events to be to be happy and not just you know stuck at a bar saying I'm gonna have another drink. So right, do you have people but, in uh, a lot of strange outfits <laughs> in these yeah, at these events? They it happens from time to time. Obviously, you're gonna get those hardcore those hardcore folks that are out there, uh, and they're they're gonna do Dancing whether it's cos- fun like exactly. <laughs> they're they're you know they're out there and and. In their cosplay, like from the minute they show up to the minute they get back on the plane and head back home. So, um, 
but I think I think that's great too. And and the nice thing about the the industry, and I think you know, you of all people can attest to this too, is that there's no judgment on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter how you're dressed. It doesn't matter you know what kind of jeans or shoes you're wearing, or if you got a three piece suit on. You come as you are and and just have a good time. And that's there's I think that's the the best atmosphere to be in. Uh, whether you, it, it doesn't matter if you're the, the guy throwing the party or you're the DJ himself. It, it, that's that's really the best best atmosphere to be in. When you make your own remixes, how do you find all the various sounds and voices? And sometimes it, I think you know specialized voices that say you hire people to say what you want. Where do you find all those pieces to assemble for your for your mix? Um, there's a lot of a lot of avenues that we can pursue to to really dig down. It depends on how far you want to go. Uh, if you're looking to just change some things around, you know, like a beat or something like that, um, there's software that enables you to, you know, create your own beat, uh, manipulate different sounds and so on and so forth. And I think a lot of folks use that. Um, I guess it, it would be comparable to, as an example, like T-Pain using the, the auto-tune, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for his voice and stuff like that. Um, so there, there's, I think software has come a long way and, and really been a tool, uh, at our disposal to be able to create certain sounds. Um, I don't know if you were going old school follies where you're just running around with microphones, like recording strange noises in your house. Yeah. And, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, you'll just, you'll get a sound and it'll just stick in your head and you'll record it and you'll sample it or use that as part of a sample or something. I mean, that happens too. It, it really just depends on how, how deep you are in the production process. And, uh, when, when you're trying to remix something, you're trying to keep, at least in some aspects, the essence of the original song. Um, whether it's the lyrics, uh, so you, you might want to go out and look for an acapella version of that particular song so you, that you only have the lyrics and then you can create your own beat. Um, or if it's the key, it, it really just depends on how deep you want to get into it. And some people have been able to kind of mash things up together and make it sound really good. And others, not so much, but <laughs> it's, it's out there. It's out there for everybody. So. See, I always wondered because sometimes I'll have a song and I just want a particular section, but I don't want the voices or I just want the, the bass or something. And mm-hmm. I cannot disassemble it in or find a way to remove the parts that I want to because it's all one huge waveform. There must be like a special DJ land where you can get all these <laughs> all these uh, songs in, in their parts, you know. Yeah, it, com- it, it comes down to software. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different pieces of software that I use. Um, SoundForge, uh, which is a Sony product. Uh, SoundForge Pro is, is a great way to um, manipulate wave files and be able to you know, copy paste or just pull out certain sections and uh, so on and so forth. If you're just looking to grab it, you know, like a 30 second bit or something out of a song, that's really good. Um, if I'm putting together a mix CD, uh, things like Acid, which is another Sony product, they're part of the same family. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to, for people who get creative and really want to do stuff, obviously there's Logic, the, the Apple product, and then Fruity Loop Studios, which is a Windows-based product. Uh, a lot of people get samples and different sounds, stuff like that, off of there. So um, it really just depends on how deep you want to get into it. Uh, but you're grabbing audio clips and things like that, 
uh, it can be frustrating if you're if you're trying to get rid of you know vocals or something like that. But uh, but yeah, they're out there, and some some of them are free uh, free apps that you can download, um, and some of them are are obviously paid versions of the software, which tend to run us a little bit more, but they're they're worth it in the end. Nice. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a perception when it comes to DJs, sort of one way or the other, where um, people will look at them and just idolize them because they're almost like kind of smaller scale celebrities. And then sometimes other people just consider it, you know, like a regular job or like a night job or something. Do you have like a lot of fans, crazy fans, or, you know, women who are like, oh, you're a DJ and I love you? How does, how does that work? <laughs> um, that, 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 I think that's also really a double-edged sword. I, I wouldn't say, I, I think I have a small fan base now. I, I haven't been a resident in a nightclub for quite a while. I kind of gave that up because it really is demanding. Um, a lot of time go, and effort goes into preparing, you know, if, especially if you're, you know, like say, for example, if you're DJing every Friday night at the same place, um, you got to know what the crowd wants, know what they expect. Uh, then you've got to look for the music that's, you know, new and, and hot and that everybody wants you know, to, to listen and dance to, um, you're always going to get the quote-unquote groupies, and nine times out of ten, most of those people are just looking for, you know, hey, hook me up with VIP at the door so I don't have to pay, or get me a, a free bar tab, or that type of thing, and I mean, there's always those people out there. Um, but the true friends, I think, who appreciate you, your music will follow you no matter what you do, and I, I, I've had many discussions uh with many different DJs uh, about this same exact topic, especially when it comes to, I think, more well-known individuals who have been out there. Um, if you look at DJs uh, that have done their thing uh, publicly, uh, like Dave Guetta and, and you know, some like Darude, I've, I've actually opened for Darude and, and he not only produces, but he DJs and he's a phenomenal DJ. And, some of them will really let it get to their head and some of them are very humble about it. And they're, they, the, the, I think the minute it becomes a job, you lose that, that passion behind it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for just the paycheck, it's, I, I don't think it's ever going to work for you. And the argument that we always said was, you know, like somebody, for example, in my particular genre are close to that. Armin Van Buren, very well known, um, has packed, events for you know 10 20,000 people and he's he produces his music he DJs and he's he, very good at what he does but he also has a great promotional team behind him and man marketing and managing and so on and so forth and that that takes money and I think people can learn uh, how to DJ and, and get the technical skills down but I guarantee you sometimes uh, that if you were to take uh, one, uh, uh, some no-name DJ from the middle of nowhere and put them up against Armin, who's very well known, put a curtain in front of them. So no one knew who was playing what and gave them the exact same set that the guy who no one knew could do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's frustrating because you, you know, you want it, obviously you want to be out there, you want to be entertaining and you want to have a, a fan base and followers and so on and so forth. And that's always great. And it's important, but uh, if you're focused on the image, I think you really kind of lose sight of what you're really doing it for. So, um, a lot of people can press buttons, but not not everybody can make everybody happy. So you you try to balance the best of both worlds. You can tell me. You all hate Polly D, don't you? <laughs>
No, I, I honestly, I I have a respect for anybody that has anything to do with music. It, it, it's it's crossed over on so many levels, whether it's gaming, whether it's, you know, like I said, you just sit at work listening to it. It doesn't matter what you're doing or where it's coming from. I think if anybody can appreciate any kind of music, that, that to me just says that they have more of, of, of an open mind. And those are the kind of individuals that you really want to surround yourself with. Okay. A big thank you to DJ Spin. You can find him on Twitter at turntables and you say that t-u-r-n-t-a-b-l-e-z if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news you can find me on twitter at gray area podcast at facebook slash gray area podcast or on itunes and as per usual the gray area podcast is entirely funded by listener donations this means you so if you like the show and you're amused and you want to hear other shows please go to genesee.com where you will find a bunch of brightly colored buttons on the right hand side with different donation item numbers and you can choose your own or you can pick from one of those if you just want to but i thank you for your donations and for your itunes reviews if you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective email your questions advice or suggestions to geneseegray at yahoo.com thanks for listening and i'll see you next week with a new episode this podcast is a part of the signals media all-star network for more information on this and other fine shows go to signalsmedia.com it's okay to stick our stuff in your ears really